Hello and welcome to Raw Chatter, the stuff that matters. I am your host, Vicky Midwood, and I am bringing you this podcast bi-weekly. We will be talking to guests and I will be talking on my own alternately all about subjects that we want to bring to the forefront of conversations. This is non-censored stuff on subjects that perhaps we don't talk about enough and I truly believe that nothing should be taboo and the more we can talk about things, the more we can bring things into the open, the more we can be totally honest about how we feel and what we think without worrying about judgment from other people, the better. So thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, it's Vicky Midwood here, and today I'm talking to you about icks and isms. What is she talking about? Yes, workaholic, alcoholism, things like that. Because these are labels that I think are not necessarily helpful for the vast majority of people, if in fact anyone. And I'm going to delve into why we feel so attached to labeling other people and not wanting that label for ourselves, or conversely, why we may actually be proud of of some of those labels and diagnoses. So when I'm talking about labels, I'm also talking about the labels that come with a diagnosis of an illness too. Oftentimes when I'm talking to people, particularly as I'm getting to know them, uh, before we may or may not start working together, They talk about my anxiety and my anorexia and my ADHD or those are the kind of the terms that people use and it's not conscious, but those labels, those terms, those diagnoses have become that person's identity, right? Not on purpose, absolutely, but it creates a kind of a sense of it's okay to behave a certain way or to think a certain way because it's expected with that diagnosis or it's expected with that label or it's allowed even or you have permission. So when I'm talking to people who talk about my anxiety, what they're not understanding is that every time they are attaching themselves to that issue, It means that the brain is more likely to create that as your way of being, in other words, as your reality. Because what we put out there is what we get back. Now, before you think, oh God, she's gone all woo-woo, the law of attraction is something some of you may or may not be familiar with. Um, But if if you think, oh, it's all a bit woo-woo, is that the stuff that the the book The Secret talks about and you just ask for what you want and then you get it. Well, that's a very um, misguided interpretation of, of what it is. When we're talking about the law of attraction, it's whatever we put out in the world, we get back. It's like the law of reciprocation, if you like. And it's all to do with vibration and energy. And this is coming from the scientific Uh, point of view now. Absolutely everything is energy. Absolutely everything has a vibration. And you've heard that term. Sometimes you've felt it when you've gone into a room with a certain group of people. You may have said, oh, this has got a great vibe. Or, 
God, this feels really weird. I don't feel comfortable here. And that's because of the energy that is being vibrated. All of us vibrate. Everything vibrates. You're vibrating right now, listening to this, right? You can't feel it. You can't see it. But it's happening. And the vibrations that we put out there are absolutely linked to our thoughts. And our thoughts, as you know, we think in words. So our language is absolutely vital. So if we're putting out terms like depression, anxiety, things are hard, like it's difficult, then our vibration is very, very low. And if our vibration is very, very low, we are going to attract more of the stuff that is of a low vibration, more people that are of a low vibration, more things that happen in our lives situations, circumstances, whatever word you want to choose to use, we're going to be attracting stuff that is not necessarily what we want. So when we stay attracted to these to these labels and when we feel that that is who we are, we're making it very, very difficult for ourselves unintentionally to be able to get free of them. Now, if I say I'm somebody who has bouts of anxiety, that's a completely different way of looking at it. It's no longer mine, and it's not my identity. I don't refer to myself as an anxious person or a depressed person or a workaholic. But sometimes people are hanging on to these because actually they're quite proud of them. Workaholics are uh, uh, subconsciously quite proud of the fact that they will work harder and longer than other people. And oftentimes they have the results to show for it, but oftentimes they don't. And so this is where we have to look at how actually helpful are labels and do we need to let go of them or not? And I'm asking you to just ponder on this because I'm I'm not coming from a place of I know better than you and there's a definitive answer because there isn't. But this is just my thoughts and beliefs on it. If somebody has a label as being an anxious person or somebody has a label as being an alcoholic, it means it almost means that there is a, a coinciding interpretation or perception of how that person will be, how they will behave. And in a way, it lets them off the hook. It allows them to do things, to say things, to get away with things that if they if they didn't have that label and they didn't talk about that being their label, then they perhaps wouldn't. So in that respect, is it helpful? No. If somebody is hanging on to a label of depression and there is a belief or interpretation that you can't get over it and that you'll never feel well, then that creates an identity, right? That is not true, right? Because you can get over depression and you can get well. You can cease to be, in inverted commas, a workaholic, whatever the ick means, right? It infers that it's out of your control and it totally is not out of your control because you can choose to change how you work you can choose to work fewer hours you can choose to delegate things you can choose to change your work completely in terms of the role that you do within your business or within the job that you do you can change jobs so there are always going to be options if you feel that it is not helpful to you but a lot of people like their labels and yes as a society we'd love to give other people labels too 
alcoholism is is an interesting one because I the term alcoholic is not helpful at all because it infers so many things and there are so many perceptions and interpretations of what an alcoholic means and what it looks like and it is there is no definitive what an alcoholic is because the, the well there just isn't but we have a picture don't we even in our heads usually a picture that has been kind of given to us from films or from reading stories um, and there are descriptions of people you know being disheveled maybe being homeless um, being totally out of control not aware of what they're doing and and that is not the case if you were to go to somewhere like Alcoholics Anonymous you would find that there are people from every single walk of life very professional people who have been functioning and functioning very very well indeed but have an issue or a dependence on alcohol to help them to manage and to cope and the reason that they go somewhere like um, AA or people go to NA or CA is because what was the problem sorry what was the solution has now become the problem and that's what I was talking about in episode 19 of this podcast so is it a helpful label? Is it a helpful term? No. And for those of you who have been to Alcoholics Anonymous, you'll know how it works. You, Whatever the room is, you will take your turn and you will stand up usually and introduce yourself and say that you are an alcoholic. Now, this is where I have an issue with this label because when you've been in recovery and are fully recovered and have no desire no obsession, no drive, no pull, no need to drink alcohol, then you are no longer an alcoholic. You have recovered. When you look in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks about it being an issue, a disorder of of the mind, as well as a physical disorder. And it is, it's both. It's, It's the physical, as you know, the physical and mental. You cannot separate our head is not chopped off and we don't carry it around under our arms separate from our body so the mental health the physical health everything is linked and alcoholism affects us physically emotionally mentally and spiritually there's no doubt about that when you have recovered from that need desire obsession and you literally can look at alcohol and feel and think just nothing it's just like so then you are no longer an alcoholic. So to stand in a room and put your hand up and say, hi, my name's Vicky, I'm an alcoholic, when I'm not anymore, that's not helpful to me. Because that means then that I've just taken myself back into the past. And is it helpful to other people for me to do that within a meeting? It is if I'm telling my story about how I recovered, yes. But is it helpful for me to say that as an introduction at the start? No. If I stand up and say, which I have on numerous occasions and often been blasted down for it and said, my name is Vicky and I am a recovered alcoholic, then that gives the new people a sense of, okay, I am in the right place because you can recover because she has. Now, again, it's about interpretation. And if you do actually read the big book, it it does actually talk about being recovered and yet in some meetings, in the majority of meetings, they don't like you to say it. Why? Because there's something about that label, isn't there? 
And this is what I'm asking you to question. And as I say, there's no definitive answer here. This is me, just my mad ramblings on it. When it comes to depression and a diagnosis label, whether it's fibromyalgia or ME, or like I have also, some of you know, I have Hashimoto's, which is an issue with my thyroid, um, which is partly hereditary and exacerbated by my crazy, crazy exercise addiction and starving my body of the nutrients that it needed for years and years and years. I can hang on to that label. I can say, oh, it's my Hashimoto's. Oh, well, I can't eat that because my Hashimoto's or my this, my that. But I choose to say, actually, it makes it makes Hashimoto's worse. Right? It's not mine. It's just the name of, of a thing. When it comes to depression, when it comes to anxiety and using those to describe who you are or ADHD, it seems to be at the moment that there is a lot of awareness now over ADHD. And I think it's a very positive thing. I think it's a very good thing. However, with all of these things, just like there's a lot of awareness, thanks to people like Davina McCall and other people about menopause, there is a lot of misquoted science. There is a lot of very poor information. There is a lot of uh, stuff that's put, been put out there that it only shows one side and it's not very scientific. And people are jumping on that because it's easy to understand and they can relate to it, but it's not necessarily correct. And this is what concerns me with a lot of people now who are not jumping, but attaching themselves to the label of ADHD, my ADHD brain, etc. And is it used as an excuse to get away with things and to not do what you say you're going to do for some people yes it is but other people it absolutely isn't and this is where fully understanding just what is adhd and understanding that it's a spectrum and it's not the same for every people and it will show up in different ways is really important having the knowledge that a lot of people have diagnosis of dyscalculia dyspraxia uh, dyslexia often the adhd gets missed now is ADHD something that is a reason why they have those issues or are those issues part of the reason that's caused the ADHD? Well, that's being researched and that's what we need to know more of. And I'm fascinated by that stuff. But yes, we have a label. It's so basically what we need to know is what does that actually mean? How does it mean in terms of how people think and function? And again, we're coming back to body connections. We're coming back to the neurotransmitters and people speak a lot about dopamine and ADHD very much is a reduction in dopamine. We have to look at the receptors. The receptors that are the ones that will help your body to make dopamine, use it and process it properly, and ones that don't. And then we have to look at, well, okay, so why are those receptors not working quite as they should? What are the links to certain parts of the brain? What are the links to the gut and to the diet? Because it's absolutely linked. Our hormones, our neurotransmitters are all very much dependent on the nutrients that are available and how well our gut is functioning, including, remember the gut includes liver and kidneys and your whole detoxification, methylation, sulfication system. And if those systems are not working properly, is it going to have an effect on the receptors for dopamine and for cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine, I can't say it, um, and various other 
uh, neurotransmitters, hormones. Yes, absolutely it is. But is the way that those receptors function also linked to your genetic SNPs, your genetic coding? Yeah, absolutely it is. And is it linked to lifestyle epigenetics? Of course it is, it can't not be. So this is where we have to look at what do we actually mean by these labels? Are some of them passed down? Anxiety runs in my family, so therefore I will give myself a label as an anxious person because that is my expectation. Everybody around me is anxious, so I'm obviously anxious too. But then I question, do you have to be? No, or is it just a label that fits and, and it quite suits you? So it means you don't have to change. And this is kind of the main crux of, of what I'm getting at here because a lot of the time, a label can stop us from creating the identity that we want to create. A label and a diagnosis is not your identity. You create your own identity. And it may well be that you have sometimes issues with certain things, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it is a little bit more life uh, enhancing than that, or whether it is a little bit more detrimental to your life. We're all going to be drawn to things that are sometimes helpful in allowing us to get away with not making any changes and just staying where we are. And that is my concern because the only way that we can have the lifestyle and the health that we want is to decide who do you want to be? How do you want to live? And then we have to look at what is our attitude? What is our attitude? to our labels, to our perception of what those labels mean, to our place in the world. And that's to do with your values. And when we talk about values, and this is where a lot of the stuff that I do with my clients revolves around them helping, helping themselves to actually get really honest about what their values are. Because oftentimes what people say they value is not actually really true. Their values that they would like to have but actually they value the opposite much more many times. People say they wanna have freedom, but then they also wanna have security. So if you wanna have security, then it's very difficult to be free because being free means being carefree and just going with the flow and doing whatever you wanna do when you wanna do it. That's what most people be, mean by being free. But if you want security, then that means that you, you like things to be known and the same. So those two things do not go together. And yet people often talk about wanting freedom, freedom yet wanting to be secure. Well, security is always going to win because your brain and your reptile brain that I speak about many, many times wants you to be safe and to survive. And that equals being secure. So oftentimes when people say they want freedom, actually, no, that is, they're not, they don't want it. They don't actually want it. And this is why it's hard for them to get it because they're saying one thing, but they're vibrating and I'm back to the vibration. They're vibrating the energy of something completely different. And for those of you who've ever tried the secret and the law of attraction and think, well, oh, it doesn't work for me. Well, that's the reason why, because you're putting out one thing, but actually 
you're thinking and feeling something completely different. In, in other words, you're not in alignment. And when I talk about being in alignment with what you want, that means on every single level. It means with your values. It means with your beliefs. And it means with your thinking, your language, and your behavior. And oftentimes people value their labels more than they value the quality of life and things being as they say they would like them to be. So I'm going to leave you to ponder on that. Are you attached to a label? Whether it's something to do with work or something that you, you know, perceive to be a helpful label, or whether it's detrimental for you to stay attached to it. Are you attached? And if you are, is it helpful? Is it detrimental? Do you want to change it? Or are you quite happy actually sticking with living up to the interpretation and the perception of what that label means because it works for you. There is no judgment here. I am very curious though to know. So I would love your comments on this one. Um, and if you think that this episode has been helpful, uh, please comment. If you think it's not been helpful at all, then a load of rubbish. Also, please comment because all feedback is welcome. If you think it may be helpful to, for somebody else that you know, to listen to, I would love you to point them in the direction of it. And if you do want to speak to me about a health diagnosis because you're not sure what to do with it or where to go or how to get the right kind of help, I'm more than happy to have a chat with you on that. All of my details are in the show notes or you can connect with me via my website, which is vickymidwood.com. Once again, this has been Raw Chatter the stuff that matters. And I wish you a great day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take care of you. You are worth it.